Yeah, the National Kitchen and Bath Association did a survey and they found that the average is 1.2, which is pretty much one, right? Which makes you think, how do I talk to these people? It's not like they've ever done this before. And the reason I say that is because we take an educational approach to this process. It can be stressful for people. It can be overwhelming. You have anxiety because you've never done something before. It's the heart of your home. So we take a step back and we don't just hit him with, here's a cabinet, do you want to buy it? We have a really cool sales process we implemented. It's a proprietary way to quote a kitchen based on a couple of measurements that they give us. And it gives them good, better, and best ranges because most cabinet companies you walk into, you ask them, how much is my kitchen going to cost? They tell you a really frustrating answer, which is, it depends, which is pretty much useless to anyone. So we prevent that just by giving them some guidance up front of what they can expect. Good, better, best. Here's the reason this is good, this is better, this is best. We let them make the smart choice for their remodel. And then from there, it's kind of a design process. Welcome to the Franchise Founders Podcast. We are on a mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs just like you take action through franchise ownership, allowing you to obtain more financial freedom, time with family, and ultimately a business that can run on its own without you. Welcome everyone to the Franchise Founders Podcast episode. You've got myself here alone. Well, not alone, but not with my co-host Christian today. another obligation, but I'm excited to have our guest, Michael Hartel, on. And Michael is the founder and CEO of Cabinet IQ. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to talk about if you're listening in and you're a potential franchise owner, you're a current franchisee, or you're a founder of a franchise like most of our audience is one of those three, you know there's lots of different franchise options out there and there's lots of home service businesses out there. And for a reason, it's an incredible business, the space in general. But I'm excited to talk with Michael and you know some of the things that we get into this podcast because I think there's very few franchisors, at least cabinet businesses, with a founder with a PhD and engineering background and really the way of thinking that Michael has. So excited to chat with him and get into this episode and understand the sophistication of the system that him and his team have set up. Anyway, getting into it, Michael, how are you? I'm great, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our chat the other week and looking forward to chopping it up some more. Absolutely. It's always fun trading notes and talking about the excitement of franchising, the challenge of being a franchisor, the good and the bad. Well, I guess to start, if you listen to our show but in the past, we try to let the bio be done by the person because I think you'll explain it better than I can. So what got you started in the business and you know, how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah. So you mentioned I got a PhD in engineering. That was earlier on in my life. I went to the University of Florida, got a PhD in nanotechnology development, worked in solar cells. And grad school was really cool. I got to publish papers and travel and do a lot of really creative things. Life was good. It kind of ended for me when I graduated and got stuck in corporate America with a desk and a computer. And basically, my day planned out for me every single day kind of drove me nuts. 
So luckily I found real estate and was able to escape the rat race by flipping houses. And that's just naturally how I got into construction and doing it for other people and then fell into cabinets when I realized there's a huge need for a good cabinet and countertop company. Interesting. You're in engineering, decide, you know, I don't like the corporate nine to five, I'm going to get into flipping houses. And in doing that, you identified this cabinet space and that there really wasn't a professional service in cabinet making and cabinet insulation. Yeah, that's right. I feel like a lot of home service businesses have gotten it figured out as far as how to treat a customer right, how to show up on time, how to be professional. You know, electricians, HVAC companies, by no means are they the cheapest, but you know when you call them, you can trust them. They're going to show up. They're going to get the job done well. And for me, cabinetry was one of those missing pieces. I feel like everyone was operating out of 1994 with pen and paper and making mistakes, not giving updates, not following up, not doing what they said they were going to do. And after trying six or seven companies locally, I said, screw it, I'm going to start it on my own. So I taught myself kitchen design and started doing my own projects. And it led to me helping friends and then friends of friends. And then, you know, that's how a lot of businesses start where, you know, at some point you have people that you've never met calling you for your services. So that was in 2016. Now in Austin, Texas, we have two showrooms and we're opening up our third by the end of this year too. So we'll have the entire market covered here in Austin. That's an awesome story, you know, how you started out of a need, right? You saw that there was a, a weaker, you know, marketplace or deliverable in your marketplace. And if you're a business owner, there's no better feeling than when you first start a business and your phone rings. That's right. <laughs> I'm thinking back when I first started, I started a couple of different businesses, but when I first started off as a, just as a business broker, I was pretty young and out there and I didn't have a ton of money. And so what I did was I made letters about selling your business. You know, hey, I'm Dan, I can help you sell your business, et cetera, et cetera. And I printed them out, put them in envelopes, like 500 of them. And I put in red, company confidential on the front of the envelope. And then I would go around my town. At this time, it was in East Brunswick, New Jersey. I'd go around town to strip malls and other areas. And I would stick the letter on their window, on the door, right in the middle of the door where you couldn't miss it. To open the door, you had to take it off. And it said company confidential. So the business owner would get it and open it. And it's a little, you know, maybe I gave them a little anxiety, but they open it and have my name on it. <laughs> and, you know, they weren't getting evicted. And then I remember like when I did that campaign, my phone was ringing off the hook. And all of a sudden, boom, you have a business. You've got customers. That's awesome. So with your franchisees, what is it like? Someone wants to become a Cabinet IQ franchisee. They sign the franchise agreement. What's the next step? Yeah, great question. We were going to franchise a lot sooner than we actually did. We hired a couple of franchise consultants to come in. And I've always been a fan of just doing things the right way, meaning find who's the best, find who's doing it right, find who you admire, ask them to help you out, pay them what they're worth, pay them to help you get launched. So in my mind, when we were ready for franchising, we went back to the drawing board and wrote up a really detailed training program, a store opening checklist. It was a lot more than I had imagined. It took us about a whole year to get all the information out of our head and get it down to the point where we can use it to help other people launch. So when you sign up, we have an eight-week training program. Some of it's self-taught with the learning management system. 
lots of cool information you need to learn. There's quizzes at the end. You can't go on until you pass certain aspects. As far as opening a store, we have everything lined out as far as how it's designed, what it looks like, what products you carry. So it's just following a checklist. So we've tried to take all the tough parts away and just have them follow a checklist, talk to the right people, get trained by the right people, and then launch within three to four months. That's excellent. What system do you use for your LMS? Tortle. Oh, I like Tortle. Tortle's good. Yeah. Again, you know, we kind of went around and checked out all the ones that are available and Tortle just seemed the simplest to use, which is simply what most people like is it's just an easy platform. It looks cool. It's easy to upload, easy to go through the quizzes and everything. I love Total. I don't have a business right now, but I have a system. That's why I explained it. I've been figuring out what I'm going to do next, but I set up all my systems because I knew it was you know, boring and unexciting, so get it over with. And whatever I do next, I have Total to set up the training. It's amazing. In my last business, if I had had Total, I would have saved myself hundreds of hours of time training people saying the same thing again and again. Because really, like you're in multiple businesses, or at least education-wise. You've got to teach them your company, Cabinet IQ's vision and mission and core values, and the Cabinet IQ way. And then you got to tear down where you got to teach them your policies and procedures as a franchisee. Then you got to teach them about the actual product, right? Cabinets and the actual business. And then I guess some degree of franchising in general, how it works plenty of other things. So they go through that platform and then they have a success trainer or is it you that's working with them hand in hand? How does that work? We actually have a success trainer and then we actually have hired one of the best kitchen and bath designer trainers that's in existence in America. So she... Wow. Talk about a niche field. This woman is the most passionate person I've ever met in my life and she just happens to be in the field of teaching kitchen and bath designers. So she, she takes them from going nothing about kitchen theory, design. The software that's used is a pretty standard software that every good kitchen and bath company uses. She teaches them the software, the design, the theory. And then as someone launches, we want them to feel really comfortable designing and giving people quality kitchens. So for the first 50 designs or so, they'll be double-checked by someone you know, to make sure that they're going to get installed correctly, that all the things that could have hiccups are solved correctly. You know, it's not a simple business like going to buy a cookie and leaving a store. Obviously, there's design aspects, there's product aspects, there's the home service aspects. So in a sense, it's a little bit more complicated than some businesses. But what's cool about our business is once you figure it out, Mm. you're much better than everyone else. And that's like the key to success for us is the process and putting out amazing kitchens with amazing quality. And, you know, we tell people that we're the hero of their remodel journey. We don't just sell cabinets. And that really clicks with people. I like that. So that's kind of the training program is kitchen design. You know, our ideal franchisee doesn't need to know anything about kitchen design or remodeling for that matter. It's kind of nice to have, right? If you can talk to people about other aspects that are peripheral to the job that you're doing, it's obviously a benefit. But we've designed our program to not need that. So, you know, someone with a sales background is obviously beneficial. Yeah. Someone that's passionate about delivering a five-star service, someone that really cares about people is a big one for us. And then also aligning with our core values that are knowledge, passion, details matter, and teamwork. 
If you're enjoying this episode, please click the subscribe button. And make sure to connect with the Franchise Founders Podcast on LinkedIn. What is the biggest challenge as a cabinet IQ franchisee or the business itself? What do you think is the hardest part? I think, you know, supply chains are getting better. Obviously, that got whacked. You know, every pretty much every industry got whacked during the pandemic. Things are starting to get way better for us. We're almost back to pre-pandemic times. I think a small challenge, you know, we've gone through a lot of process iterations, a lot of improvements where we've grown to be better, not just top line revenue, but grown to be better as a company, which means more to me than just top line revenue. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind, this is kind of a technical detail or a little thing, but when we go and design a kitchen and we install it and everything looks great to the customer when they're on site, they sign off on it. We have a very thorough walkthrough process. They sign off on it. Sometimes a week later, they call us up and they say, hey, this little thing doesn't look quite right. Can you guys come back? So we have to go on like a punch trip, right? We go back and take care of it for them. So I don't know if there's ever a way to completely not have that happen. We're in the business of making people happy, making their kitchen remodel dreams come true. And although they've paid us in full at that point and our job is done technically because they signed off, we do go back and fix little things here and there. So that's kind of a small little challenge. But other than that, you know, marketing is kicking butt for us. Our sales process is super dialed in. We do about eight kitchens per week right now, eight kitchen cabinet and countertop jobs. And we average 3.1 five-star reviews a week. So what's really impressive is that rate of review. I think it's the highest that I've seen in home services, which is really cool, especially when you're tearing apart the heart of someone's home. Yeah. Right. You're not on the roof. You're not in their backyard. You're tearing apart the heart of their home. We only do new cabinets and countertops. We don't do refacing, but to go into a home that's completely ripped apart and to do a good job and to earn that five-star review, that means a lot to us. And it's a testament to our team and our process. That's awesome. So that's the hardest part. You got training system down. We kind of know that your ideal franchisee, they're not going to be in the day-to-day of the business. So I know you mentioned in training, you take a lot off their plate. And you know, opening-wise, there's a checklist for them to follow. What about from a sales process? How does that work? Leads are coming in. Obviously, the franchisee is investing in the marketing, but are you handling the marketing for them? And do those leads go to a call center? Like, what does the sales process look like for a franchise owner? Yeah, we don't have a call center set up. This is a really personal business. Kitchen designers and homeowners really need that bond, a good bond. Mm. So we don't have a call center set up yet. Right now, our sales process is... Let me take a step back and I'll ask you a question because this will kind of frame the conversation. So Dan, how many kitchens does the average homeowner remodel in their lifetime? How many kitchens does the average homeowner remodel in their lifetime? I would say, I mean, you probably remodel a kitchen two times in your lifetime. Maybe the answer is going to be one. I don't know. Yeah, the National Kitchen and Bath Association did a survey and they found that the average is 1.2, which is pretty much one, right? Which makes you think, how do I talk to these people? It's not like they've ever done this before. And the reason I say that is because we take an educational approach to this process. It can be stressful for people. It can be overwhelming. 
you have anxiety because you've never done something before. It's the heart of your home. So we take a step back and we don't just hit him with, here's a cabinet, do you want to buy it? We have a really cool sales process. We implemented, it's a proprietary way to quote a kitchen based on a couple of measurements that they give us. And it gives them good, better, and best ranges because most cabinet companies you walk into, you ask them, how much is my kitchen going to cost? They tell you a really frustrating answer, which is, it depends, which is pretty much useless to anyone. So we prevent that just by giving them some guidance up front of what they can expect. Good, better, best. Here's the reason. This is good. This is better. This is best. We let them make the smart choice for their remodel. And then from there, it's kind of a design process. So the answer to the question, how much does my kitchen remodel cost, is extremely frustrating when you get an answer of it depends. It's not what people want to hear. So what we do is we have this process to give them good, better, and best lines. We talk about the price ranges for each and then explain to them what good, better, and best actually means. So this does two things. The first thing is it's really transparent and upfront with a client. There's no kind of, it depends. It looks kind of secretive. So we're very, very upfront with pricing. And then the other thing it does is it pre-qualifies people. So as soon as they walk in, you know, if you give them a couple of numbers up front, you're going to quickly learn if they can even afford it, good, better, or best client. So at that point, price becomes not an objection anymore, which is really cool. You can continue moving them through the process, get them the design they like, pick out the door style, the color, finish the uh, design. They pay, we get it installed, we get a five-star review. So we've simplified what is usually a pretty complex process. That's excellent. You've taken something that is overwhelming and you're providing it a simple and delightful experience to the end user. You know, when I thought of two times, I guess I thought of like, you know, once when you have children and then maybe like later in life when you're retired, maybe you desire to redo. But I guess one makes sense more to me if I think about all of the general population. But it's interesting because doing anything to your kitchen obviously increases the value of your home. So you're not only providing people with an opportunity to make their home more beautiful, but also more marketable when they want to sell it. Yeah, 100%. You get about 60% of the money back that you put in into your kitchen. It's one of the highest returns on the home improvement project. So, you know, we talk about that. We talk about value. We have a lot of statistics and data. I've been on a content creation tear lately to answer all the questions that people have ahead of the project. So we have a lot of not just blog articles, but, you know, takeaways from our showrooms. We can give people the information that they need to read about. So it's pretty cool to see them go through that journey, you know, to come in and the conversation 80% of the time is, my name is Mrs. Smith. This is Mr. Smith. We're remodeling our kitchen. We looked online and you guys have the best reviews and we'd like to learn more. That's how most conversations start. And to hear that conversation start there and then to see them go through the process and leave us a five-star review and you know leave every person who they worked with, you know, leave their name in that Google review. It's really special to me. It's a pretty cool thing to see. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, content's king. People that don't realize that I don't care if you're in the cabinet business, the finance, legal, right? Whatever it is, you need to get into content, whether it's speaking on a panel at a conference, you know, you need to put content out there on YouTube. People ask me why are these podcasts? You know, it's you gotta get yourself out there. 
although I don't really have anything to get myself out there to do right now, kind of just in this transition and figure out what we're going to do next. But still, get yourself out there because even if you want to find opportunities to do a podcast. So if you're a franchisee in your business, so much is being handled from the franchise. So you can focus on sales and being a true business owner should be out there networking in the community, getting referral relationships. I mean, obviously their employees are handling a lot of it too. But I mean, if I were to go back and knowing what I know now that you know as a franchisor, you're able to focus as a business owner on the networking and the sales and the business leadership, leading a team, you know, knowing what you know as a franchisor, it takes years to learn how to do that as a regular business owner. Unless you're, you know, intuitively just know what you're doing. I wouldn't want to just go out there and try to start a business without a franchise because for me, it took, I've been a business owner for in different ways for over 10 years now. And I still don't know anything, but I was you know, you know so much more from all the time and energy and failures and hiring the wrong people and marketing the wrong way or not marketing. You've taken all that away. They're paying you for the mistakes you already made, right? They're paying you a franchise fee and that's to help get them set up because you already made those mistakes and you already set up a successful business. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of time, energy, blood, sweat, tears that goes into making the mistakes, optimizing, not making that same mistake, documenting it. And I think that's kind of a cool advantage that I had coming into a business like this is I'm super process-oriented, super data-driven. So when something goes wrong, we want to make sure that it never happens again. And that's kind of cool to take a business that's super outdated and doesn't have a lot of those processes and make them in a business like ours. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you for joining the show. Listeners, if you're interested, his business is Cabinet IQ. It's a great business, great founder. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Franchise Founders Podcast. If you want our help with anything from buying a franchise to franchising your business to anything in between, shoot us an email at franchisefounders at gmail.com. 